Blog Talk Radio. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. Janeway, Fox, Peter, Locus, Action, Very Weird, Captain Pike, Cisco's Wife, Klingons, and the Afterlife, Boimler, Tendi's Dog, Ransom is Very Hot, Four Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Deed's a bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red, Zeta's cat, Kempak's hat, Q has had enough of that, Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go! We are the first series, you can join us live by picking up your phone now, we talk about the series. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. I'm Uncle Jim. I'm joining you here solo today. In honor of Leonard Nimoy's birthday, I thought I would dig way, way back, very deep into the archives of Trek Talking and pull out a tribute show that I did to Leonard Nimoy uh, the day after he passed away in 2015. Um, my friend Ken had a podcast by the name of uh, uh, Masters of Disaster, and he called me up and said, hey, uh, Jim, you want to come on and talk about Star Trek with me? And I said, oh, Absolutely. And I did that with Ken for a little while, and Ken decided he didn't want to do the podcast anymore, so he stopped doing it, and I decided I really enjoyed podcasting, so I started up Trek Talking, and that was in 2015, and this particular podcast was one of our very, very early shows. In fact, we didn't even have a theme song at that point, which is why I just played our theme song for you guys. And I wasn't even going by the moniker of Uncle Jim yet. I, I hadn't created that persona yet. So this is a very early podcast with myself and Admiral Ken. And uh, we're talking about Leonard Nimoy and how we felt to learn of his passing. And we opened up the phone lines and some fans called in and we just, we just hung out and chatted. So this show was pre-recorded on uh, February 27th in 2015. So uh, please do not try to call because the phone lines are not open right now. So please sit back and uh, relive some memories about Leonard Nimoy. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Blog Talk Radio. Space, the final frontier. These are the continuing voyages of the starship Enterprise. Her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life forms and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. 
and good evening. Welcome to a special edition of Trek Talking. Um, tonight is a very sad night. We learn of the passing of Leonard Nimoy yesterday. Um, I was trying to put together a show yesterday, but I couldn't pull it together that quick. So we had to settle for tonight. Um, I really don't know how to feel about the whole situation. I was not a personal friend of Leonard Nimoy. I only met him once at a convention. Yet, when I heard the news, I felt like like a family member had left me, like, like a best friend had died, um, which is strange because I've never really been that connected to actors before. But I think it's more in the, the character of Spock, which I've grown up with. Uh, 49 years um, I've been watching Star Trek, so it's like a member of the family has died. And I just thought that the fans might want to have a show to talk about it, to share your I, I, memories I, I, of I Mr. Spock, your feelings. And so if you're listening tonight and you want to give us a call, our number is 646 668-2433. Um, this show is for you guys. Ken and I are going to talk. I have some clips to play, and I have some uh, tweeted um, memorandums from uh, various actors, but this show is for you guys, so uh, give us a call at 646-668-2433. Uh, don't be afraid to call that number. And, uh, Ken, what, what's on your mind tonight? Well, but, uh, as I was saying, I think that's actually the draw with the Star Trek cast. And again, I, I had no I didn't have an opportunity to meet DeForest Kelly. I did not meet Leonard Nimoy. I did however see uh, Jimmy Doohan over on one of the conventions in Western Avenue. Uh, you know, So again, there, there's no real personal, physical connection between the things. But you're right. One of the reasons I think why we're drawn to the series in general is, is this feeling of family. Uh, the camaraderie that the cast shows towards each other almost almost to a certain extent rubs off on us as the fans as well. And we're drawn into this huge collection of people uh, just as much as the stars were drawn to each other. And I think that's one of the things that is really unique to Star Trek and that made Star Trek, I think, really what it is today and what it's grown into. Um, on our Facebook page, our good friend, Brandon made up a our cover page. Did you see the cover page we have on the Facebook page of the empty chair? Yep. Yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, our buddy. So there's that the other uh, the other one that's making the rounds of the of the picture in the conference room where it has Bones and Scotty and Kirk in conference room and then together and then it only has Bill Shatner in it as him being the remainder of the three. Very, very, look at that picture and think about what it actually says. You know, Kirk is sitting there with his command crew in one picture, and he's sitting there by himself in the next because they've all departed. But on our Facebook page um, is the empty chair of Captain Spock, and it says, a life is like a garden. Perfect moments can be had, but not preserved, except in memory. And that was the last tweet made by Leonard Nimoy 
uh, live long and prosper on his Twitter account the day before he passed. And um, I think it, there's a lot to be said about that. I mean, that's exactly true, and I think that's what Star Trek means to a lot of us. DeForest Kelly said in an interview that I saw with him, somebody asked him, what is it about Star Trek that's such a draw to people? And DeForest Kelly said, Star Trek is just a bunch of moments strewn together. And he's absolutely correct. When you look at Star Trek, you have your moments, your your memories, your favorite memories or moments of a particular character. And that's what you remember them by. And I think that's why Leonard Nimoy has such an impact on people. Because Spock, in his attempt to be less human and detach himself from his humanity, the more he did that, the more human his character became. Would, would you agree with that, Ken? Yeah. It, it, uh, and also, again, bridging the gap into the new series, uh, I think losing, I think when, when we lost Vulcan, uh, I think that sort of made uh, both Spock characters, I think, appreciate their humanity better. Yeah, I, and I, I think that I think that it's great. I think that having Leonard Nimoy in the new Star Trek movies, I, I have a clip that I'm going to play in, a little bit later on in the show of the last time, well, not the last time, the second to last time, the last time we see Spock, or we see Leonard Nimoy, I'm sorry. I, I do have a life, and I do know that Spock is not <laughs> real, and that he's, he's played yeah, again, by an actor. This is the problem that, that I think a lot of us have. Is it, it, it's Back to what we were saying before with the family. I mean, we're, we're so... The show has so much become a part of us that, again, so, I mean, again, I, don't have, I, I sort of said, I think people are more inclined to say things like Spock died rather than Leonard Nimoy died, which is, is kind of interesting. But again, it, it's all part of of what we become as a result of, of this program. Well, I, I do know that Spock is not real. I mean, I, I I moved out of my parents' basement a long time ago. Um, I do know that. But I think you're right. I think that Leonard Nimoy is so identified with this character that when I saw The Wrath of Khan for the first time and they killed Spock, I was like, I was almost in tears. I was that moved by the death scene of Spock. And well, again, you're, you're right in that, I mean, the, the only two things that come to mind that Leonard Nimoy was a part of, other than Star Trek, is one, the later incarnation of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and his series In Search Of. Yes, and I... Uh, no, I don't. Fact, I put that. I don't think that he did too much else other than Star Trek. And again, somebody can, if they wish, call in and prove us wrong. And on that note, we do have a caller. Are we ready to take a caller? Our first caller of the night. Okay, sure. Let's see who we got. Well, uh, Leonard. Nemo, Hello, thank course, you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling from tonight? This is Nancy calling from Vermont. 
And this uh, is yeah. Nancy calling from Vermont. I know Nancy from Vermont. <laughs> and, oh, hello, uh, yeah, Nancy from Vermont. Yes. Hello. Don't forget, of course, that uh, Nimoy went on to Mission Impossible after okay, yes, Star Trek. I, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and of course directed Three Men and a Baby, and then uh, of course there were his books of photography and poetry and his two autobiographies, and so he certainly did keep very busy for quite a while. And he also recorded a couple of albums, and I do have a clip I'm going to play a little bit oh, later the Bilbo on. Bilbo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins. That's song. kind of embarrassing, but then again, Shatner embarrassed himself, too. <laughs> well, I well, think, yeah, I, you know, I wanted to... I wanted to play it because I really want to light. I, I I don't want to dwell on the negative. I want to lighten it up a little bit and have some fun and celebrate Leonard Nimoy and not be all uh, negative about it. And I just thought the Bilbo Baggins song is light and happy and you know a little ridiculous, a little goofy, yeah. But I I want to echo what you're saying about the sense of family. Uh, I've gotten some interesting comments from people in the last day or so. A former coworker of mine sent me a, a message on my phone with the Vulcan salute saying what a sad day it was. My sister sent me an email, you know, rest in peace, Mr. Spock. My goddaughter wrote, as you know, my true deep love for Leonard Nimoy and Spock started in infancy. I am mourning his passing quietly and not posting for that reason. I know your heart is hurting, too. And I think a lot of people do feel that way. I, I, he, I, I mean, not only was Nimoy seemingly a pretty nice man from all accounts, but also the character is one of those rare characters that I think is like, I hate to use the word iconic, so it, it, it's so badly overused these days, but in the case of Spock, that really was a character that deeply resonated and still does with people, and I think it will continue to, the struggle between different parts of ourselves and, and you know, identity as belonging to multiple races you know, and, and species, I guess in his case, um, but... I think these are themes that resonate with people and will for a long time to come. And there was there was a post on the internet from the space station of the astronauts, one of the astronauts looking out the portal with Earth in the background giving the Vulcan salute, and they sent a message. Uh, do I have that? Actually, do I do have that clip to play a little bit later um, about the astronauts and how the character Spock influence them to become astronauts. So yeah, I think he was he he definitely inspired a lot of people to get into the sciences and I I'm sure there are a lot of people who work for NASA today and for other science related organizations who were inspired by that character and with all respect to the current Star Trek cast it wouldn't be that wouldn't be happening if it weren't for the originals and the impact that they had. No, that's that's absolutely correct. In fact, Will Wheaton tweeted, we stood on your shoulders and wouldn't have had a galaxy to explore if you hadn't been there first. Thank you, Leonard. May you rest in peace. That's what Will Wheaton had to say. And that's true. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. And you think about it, that it was a show that didn't get a lot of respect from the network in its original run. 
and yet here we are 49 years later talking about it and how many people who weren't even alive when the show originally aired are feeling this loss this weekend you know i was i was at the jail when i i went back to my office on break and i went on facebook and i saw the post that leonard nimoy had passed and i was like this can't be true i mean i i heard he was out of the hospital so I sent a message to my my friend Mark Lee, who's having a show on tomorrow night on Block Talk Radio that you guys can tune in. He's going to have Richard Arnold and a lot of other folks on, and you can check that out tomorrow night on Block Talk Radio. And Mark got right back to me and said, yes, it's true. And I sat in my office for a minute digesting that fact and not and I, really and knowing. I was just how to feel into, about it. Yeah, I was just walking into a step two uh, disciplinary grievance meeting, and management, the the people that I was facing on the other side of the table, were the people who told me about it. I mean, I, here I am sitting down to to argue and defend a case, and the people that I'm I'm defending my case against bring up Star Trek, and I'm like, whoa, okay. Yeah, he. It, it. I think that it touched a lot more people than people are aware of. I would I, agree. It's any, it's rather any, unique. No, this is Very gen, unique, it's genuine sentiment too. Where, whereas I think a lot of the times when I, I think a lot of the times when when actors die, people feel somehow that they have to sort of express sympathy. Because that's the thing to do. I, I think in this particular case, I, I think it's people actually genuinely expressing where their emotions are. Well, I think what Nancy said earlier about family is exactly what it comes down to. Because in 1991, I hosted my first Star Trek convention in Albany, ClingCon 91. And I got a phone call from somebody in Vermont asking me if they could get a press pass to the convention to which i replied of course and when that person showed up to the convention i made it a point of finding that person and thanking that person for coming to the convention and that person of course was nancy at that convention i also met ken who was not part of my extended star trek family at that point either and here we are you know 20 some odd years later and here's Ken and here's Nancy, and we're talking on the radio about the death of Leonard Nimoy. So, obviously, Star Trek and our involvement in Star Trek has extended our families as well. Yeah, it's absolutely true. The sense of community, and again, you know, while it may have been a burden for a while for Leonard Nimoy to be so associated with the character... He later made his peace with it, thankfully. But the strength of that character does make somebody like him passing uh, a more emotionally powerful experience, I think, than just, well, I don't want to use the word just, but actors who are known for a variety of different characters, you're sad at their loss. But because he's so strongly identified with that character, I mean, anybody who saw The Wrath of Khan wept. 
I mean, you know, because Spock died and we watched it. And, you know, I couldn't help it. I had to replay that scene last night, and I sat here at my computer and cried. Yeah, I, and, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually have that, that soundbite of that funeral, and I'm going to play that later in the show for people that may not have seen it in a while. And yeah. I think that in light of what has happened over the weekend, I think that scene is now going to mean have a lot deeper meaning to a lot more people than it did in exactly. 1982. Exactly. But, but, I mean, I remember watching the movie and in the theater with my sister and two of our dearest friends. And, I mean, I wept to the point that it was loud and embarrassing. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who had that well, experience. I, like because it was, I mean, really, it's like, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking, you know, hand me the tissues, my nose is running kind of embarrassingly loud sobs. But it was really hard to watch that character die. You know, and that was the thing with Star Trek, too, is that, wait a second, no one dies in Star Trek? I mean, Spock doesn't die. He can't die. No one dies in Star Trek. I mean, that that it, it Spock hits doesn't have a red I... shirt. Except for them, that, but they knew it was. That brings us to the point that Nancy brought up earlier. Leonard Nimoy was having a lot of trouble dealing with the character, and when they came to him to do Star Trek Two, he was like, "No." I, I, he had just written a, bo- a book called I Am Not Spock. And he was like, no, I don't want to do this character anymore. I, I'm not going to do it. I will only do it if he dies. And they're like, ah. And, of course, they did it, and he died. And after that happened, he changed his mind. Well, you know, I want to come back. I'm going to direct the next movie. And that's why they threw the little mind meld thing at the end of the movie so that he could come back in the search for Spock and direct the next two awesome movies himself. So that was a time when Leonard Nimoy was very turbulent in dealing with the Spock character. And after that, he wrote a second book, I Am Spock. I think Nancy mentioned that earlier. The second of his autobiographies. And again, I can really appreciate his struggle because he was more than uh, one trick pony and yet because he did such a good job and Roddenberry created such a memorable character and the other writers you know reinforced that character uh you know he he was a victim of his own success to an extent for uh, quite a while and like you said, he did do a lot of things other than Star Trek I I remember in search of which was on television uh, the latter the part 80s? of the 70s I mean yeah the latter, latter part of the 70s into the 80s people really loved that show I watched it faithfully as did so many people it was great to have and then of course uh, he did that that little stint in Invasion of the Body Snatchers which I remember uh, watching where he was the bad guy um, you know so he's done more than just Star Trek but Spock is such an iconic character and I would hazard the guess to say that I think even more so than Captain Kirk, I think that Mr. Spock is pretty much the embodiment of Star Trek. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, Kirk, while certainly a vividly portrayed and memorable character and much loved, 
uh, I think is less original a character than Spock. Spock's backstory and his struggle between his Vulcan and human sides, um, while not completely unprecedented in literature, I think was still more original a struggle, um, certainly you know, in pop culture, certainly in television you know, at the time. Um, I think people have tried to emulate it since, but it really resonates with people and people who weren't around then but still know and love him from that character. And again, the legacy. I mean, there wouldn't be a current Star Trek movie franchise if it weren't for the abilities of the original people to bring those stories to life. Oh, absolutely not. And even even people like my parents who only saw one Star Trek movie in their entire lives, and that was Star Trek IV, mm -hmm. still know Leonard Nimoy as Mr. Spock. Speaking of parents, my mother, who loved Star Trek IV, especially when Captain Kirk said, remember everybody where we parked, um, that uh, she had, my mother had uh, actually been out shopping. This is in the early days of Trek. And we lived on Long Island at the time, and back then, you know, major TV stars could do a public appearance at a shopping center. And uh, my father had been bodyguard for Adam West and Burt Ward about the same time. But Mom went out shopping one day, and Leonard Nimoy was making an appearance in the store. <laughs> That's just cool. Imagine, you know, imagine, yeah, you just imagine going to Walmart or something, you know, and there's... Leonard Nimoy. I mean, it was that kind of a shopping excursion. She had no idea she was stumbling into that situation, but there he was. She said, uh, you know, she didn't get too super super close, but close enough to see him in action and very positive experience of that. She was always very proud of that little story. Yeah, I was out shopping and there was Leonard Nimoy. Well, just it's hard to imagine that in today's world that uh, people could make an appearance like that in the middle of being the star of a network TV show, but they did back then. I only met I only met Leonard Nimoy once at a Star Trek convention back in the uh, mid nineties when I was running mine. I also I only had the chance to meet Leonard or um DeForce Kelly once as well. Uh, but I will say that the one time that I did meet Leonard Nimoy he he did the Vulcan salute for everybody and everybody went crazy when he did that. And he talked about DeForest Kelly, and he talked about this and that and directing, and he he seemed like a very genuine, very sincere man, and he really, really seemed to connect well with the fans and not have a problem with the fans like other actors seem to at times. And mm -hmm. I I really remember that about him, the the sincerity and the warmth when he was talking to the fans, that's something you don't see a lot these days. And that's that's the one thing I remember about meeting him. That's a great legacy to to have that that you know like you said, he could have could have been miserable or moody or mercurial. Um but it sounds like he was pretty consistently pleasant in public. Well you see back uh, back in the nineties in the 80s when they when you had a Star Trek convention the way it generally went was Leonard Nimoy comes out they do an hour Q&A with the fans and then they sit at a table and they sign autographs for an hour and they go home 
and you leave, and that's the end of the convention. And that was pretty much the formula for most Star Trek conventions, um, even the ones that I ran, because that's the way it was back then. But today, when you go to a, they don't have Star Trek conventions anymore. They have what they call Comic Cons, and you don't have a Q&A anymore. You just go into a giant room, and all the stars are sitting at tables, and you go up and you pay them for an autograph, and then you pay them for a picture, and you get to shake their hand and talk to them for a couple of minutes, and then you move on to the next person. Uh, so I never got to meet Leonard Nimoy in that aspect, so I never got to really ask him a question or really talk to him or shake his hand. It was more sign my picture and move on to the next person. And even in that brief moment, he left me with a really good, genuine heartfelt feeling that you know I wasn't just another number and that he genuinely cared I just got that impression from him and that's not an impression that you get from a lot of them a lot of them seem like they're just there to take your money sign your picture move on I didn't get that from Leonard Nimoy and I I appreciate that as a fan and as a human being Yeah, and as you say, I mean, it's so easy for people to become blasé when they're on the other end of that experience, and their handlers are working it, and, you know, it is a circus-like environment when you've got hundreds of people in line around you, and security people, and whoever your entourage may be, so for people... I, I met Ringo Starr under circumstances similar to what you've just described, and I couldn't get over the fact that the man's been, you know, famous for almost 50 years or 40 years at the time, and could focus on me as an individual for a minute or two and really give me his attention in the middle of all of that. And, I mean, again, uh, that's, you know, that, that's one of the things I, I sort of learned or quote-unquote grew up with, with Jim's conventions, is that, again, this the fact that these people are normal. Uh, you know, I could ride up in, in Schenectady, New York. I could ride up in an elevator with Will Wheaton and his brother. Uh, you know, that you could be inches away from these people and realize that yes, they're they're actors, but outside of perhaps a few pre precious few, and, and Jim uh, could speak to, about them as well. Most of them were normal individuals that understood fans and, and gave the fans. Not what they wanted, not not so much as a business, but again, as as a reflection of of the person they actually were, as opposed to the person that they that they you see on screen. Mm -hmm. Which which a lot of times can be quite different, and I think that's a lot of the reason why Leonard Nimoy is being such you know heartfelt about this is because the character of Spock was so much more than just a two-dimensional character on a TV screen. I think his character, a lot of people dealt with a lot of the things that Spock's character had to deal with. And I'm sure there's people out there listening right now who related to Mr. Spock's situation and helped them through some really hard times. And I think it's that situation that makes relating to Mr. Spock slash Leonard Nimoy so different than, say, I don't know, Burt Reynolds, for instance, or any other, right. you know, actor. You know, it's the feeling of family, I 
I really think that's what makes it so special, is that we've all related to Star Trek on such a personal level. We all have our own stories about Star Trek and what brought us into it and watching this episode with my mother and this episode with my grandfather and so on. And those feelings and those memories get imprinted on the characters to the point that we feel personally connected to that character through those situations. And when that character, when that actor that portrays that character, because again, I do know the difference, but when that character, when that actor passes away, we feel like that actor has taken a part of us with them. At least that's how I felt when I learned I was sitting at the jail and and I almost wanted to cry. I was sitting in my office and I just didn't want to leave. I I was just totally stunned by the news. That's the way I felt. Well, yeah, as you pointed in, as you pointed out, too, uh, like in a lot of circumstances, it also hit us harder because last report we had, he had left the hospital and was... Yeah, we so talked like, about it on on Thursday's show, that he had left the hospital and was in recovery, and we all wished him well, and then the next thing I hear, that's not the case. It just was like getting run over by a truck. Yeah, and I have to confess, I hadn't heard that news this week. I've just been super busy with my job and everything, and hadn't heard, and so when I got the message texted to me, uh, you know what a sad day it was, and I saw the, you know, the live long and prosper salute from my friend. I went, uh oh, I know what that means because I remember, of course, Nimoy's announcement last year about his uh, pulmonary troubles. So I knew immediately what it meant, and it, again, it just took the wind right out of my sails. Even though it wasn't a complete shock, it was still on some level a shock. Yeah, I think any time something like that happens, it's a shock. I didn't realize how how much it would affect me until it actually happened. I've never I've never felt that way about an actor, honestly, uh, until Leonard Nimoy. I didn't realize I actually had those feelings about him until it happened, and um, I was just I was really floored, and that's why I thought we should do this show because there's a lot of people out there that probably feel the same way. So Right, and, and even within the Star Trek family, while he's not the first to go, nonetheless, I think the depth of connection that people have to the Spock character does put this on a, a different level for folks. And even President Obama, mm-hmm. who <laughs> yeah, the message which I posted on the Facebook page because it's too long to read on the air. Even President Obama uh, gave the Vulcan salute and had a, a nice comment to say about Leonard Nimoy and how, how how President Obama connected to him before he was How much President he loved Obama. him and, and how thrilled he was to meet him. Yeah, exactly. And you can see that, I mean, in terms of that kind of, long, lean, and logical kind of image that the president has, you could see where he was influenced by the Spock character, too. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, this character influenced and touched so many people. Um, 
it's it's amazing. And uh, hey, we have another caller on the line, guys. You guys want to want to bring someone else on this conversation? Certainly, certainly. Oh, Let's please. See we have. Um, I I'll I'll drop out here and give a listen. All right. Thanks for calling, Nancy. Have a Thank good night. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Have a good night. Live long and prosper. Good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling from tonight? It's Larry from Scotia. Hi, Jim. Hey, it's the big Z. It's Z-Man. Ooh, How are you? Good to hear your voice, guy. Yeah. I mean, I was blown away when I uh, saw the news that uh, that Leonard Nimoy had passed. And uh, I remember, you know, having um, having been a child of the 60s, I remember all the time uh, when Star Trek was on after the news, the original series, and uh, I'd get out all my collection of Star Trek books, and I'd find the, um, I would find the uh, episode, and I'd follow it in the book as it played out on the TV, and it was it was awesome, and the the influence that uh, that um, Spock I think it's had on everybody. And how he influenced the show is—it's it's just incredible. It's—it was more—he was more than a character. He was—he's uh, absolutely a um, a mentor to uh, many a young person who grew up on the show. Yeah, I don't think that there is another character on a series today that we could relate to and say that this is the equivalent of Leonard Nimoy's portrayal of Mister Spock. I don't think it exists. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's been some great shows on TV with some great characters, but none of them have had the impact, I think, that Leonard Nimoy's portrayal of Mr. Spock had. I think it's a unique character, and it was in a unique time in this country, too. The 60s were very turbulent, and Star Trek gave us a positive view of the future and well look we are going to make it we are going to get through this and and well, yeah, here's what I the mean, future it showed, look it like. showed us in a in a uh, in a uh, peaceful uh, uh completely integrated interrelational society where you know whether you were green with three arms or pointy years it didn't matter there was just total acceptance of uh, of uh, uh, of you as you were Yes, and I think I think that that's why so many people identified with Mr. Spock because back in the 60s there was a lot of um racial problems and all this turbulence going on and here's this half here's this this character who's alien and a lot of people felt alienated from society in the 60s and they could latch on to Mr. Spock and his situation and identify with that. And I think that's why the character was so, you know, important to so many people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And not to mention it was a great show. uh, Pardon me? Not to mention the fact that it was a great show. Oh, it was great. It is a great show still. I mean, you know, I'm always always watching the the reruns and such, uh, whatever, whatever series you have to be in. I enjoy it all the time. In fact, uh, last night, after I got home from work, I was trying to put the show together, but I I couldn't get it together in one night, so I decided I was going to watch some Star Trek, and 
I'm flipping through the collection. I was like, what am I going to watch? And I decided to watch Star Trek Four because that's the only Star Trek movie my parents, Fred and Wilma, ever watched was Star Trek Four. And, of course, after Star Trek Four, I had to watch Star Trek Five. Now, a lot of people don't like Star Trek Five. This movie is not, I mean, this, this show is not about what we hate and what we what we don't like. So we're not going to no. talk about that. But what I did like about Star Trek Five and what made me put that movie on, we were talking about how actors are actually human beings as well and how a lot of people mm-hmm. identify them with the character and forget that they're people. Well, Star Trek V has a scene where they're all camping, and I, as you know, anyone who knows me knows that we camp all summer long. And the camping scene at the beginning of Star Trek and the camping scene at the end where they're sitting around singing Row, Row, Row Your Boat as Spock plays the Vulcan harp and the, the credits roll and whatnot, to me, that is one of the most human scenes that we've ever seen in Star Trek because here they are, they're not fighting Klingons, they're not flying around in space, they're not doing anything incredible or science fiction-y. They're just sitting around a campfire having beans, toasting marshmallows, and singing campfire songs like any of us would do on any camping trip on any given day. And I just had to watch that just for that reason. So that's what I did. I watched Star Trek Four and Star Trek Five. Wow, excellent. And, uh, you know, who knows? I might watch some more Star Trek later on tonight. Who knows? But that that's what I did. Because these, these people are humans, and we forget that a lot. A lot of people oh, absolutely become so ingrained in, in the persona that they're putting out, the character, and sometimes it's hard to separate uh, their character from, um, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, just a real person. Yeah, and and you know, I think that's that also speaks to the talent of the actor as well, because they can make us believe that character is real, and actually make mm-hmm. us think that Spock could walk in here right now, and just by the way Leonard Nimoy portrayed him, just the way by the way he'd lift an eyebrow or 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 you know or turn his head or or look at McCoy. You know those those subtle nuances are what made that character so human, and I know that you know, Spock him, would find that insulting. It took him a long time. I was reading some some articles of, uh, since his death. They say that it took Leonard Nimoy a long time to really come to the realization that he was Spock, and that you know because that's how everybody identified him. He played so many other. Uh, theatrical appearances and other characters, but he was always Spock, and it finally was many years before he just so completely embraced it, you know, to where, okay, I am Spock, and, you know, he, he not that he, he changed his identity, but, you know, he embraced the um, the uh, notoriety of it uh, um, in such a complete, complete way. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not famous. I'm, I'm not anything, and I, I can't imagine what it's like to be, to play a character like that, and have so many people recognize you as that character for for that one role. I mean, Leonard Nimoy's mm-hmm. been in hundreds of things, as you said, but anybody that meets Leonard Nimoy is going to immediately go to Spock, 
and right. what it must right. feel like for an actor to create a character and have that character endure for 49 years and be so beloved by so many millions of people has oh, got to be it's got to be it's got to be a rush for the actor it's got to be something special for them Again, it's something that we you know something that we'll on, never understand it's something that we've talked about in several of the other shows and that's the, the, the inter one of the reasons why Star Trek is so successful is basically the fact that it's intergenerational uh, every time Star Trek reinvents itself it brings in a whole new crop of people uh, a whole younger crop of people uh, and, and sort of like the, the legacy gets passed on and you one of the, Jim you you're constantly bringing up the fact that Jamie uh, you know was able to associate with Star Trek through the newer films. So again, this is it, it carries across uh, all all these differences, and that's it's it's all that's also part of Star Trek. Star yeah, Trek for, is the, you know, for those Star of Trek you who don't know what Ken's referring to, um, we've talked about this before, but this is a Leonard Nimoy show, so. I'm, I'm, I'll mention it again because I'm sure we have a lot of people listening who have not tuned into this show before. My daughter um, just turned 20, and she did not grow up with her father as the avid Star Trek fan that I am because Star Trek wasn't on television while she was growing up, unfortunately. Uh, the Star Trek conventions were all before she was born, so she hears me me and my wife Karen talk about these things but doesn't really know what they're about because it was all before and when the last Star Trek movie came out Star Trek Into Darkness um, I was going to see it on opening night and I asked Karen if she wanted to go with me, Karen being my wife for those of you who don't know and Karen didn't want to go see it she had no desire to go see it so I was like okay well you know I'm going to go see it anyways and Jamie came and said dad can I go see the new Star Trek movie with you? And I said, you want to go see a Star Trek movie with the old man? Of course you can. So then one of her friends called and wanted, wanted to come see the movie. So I took Jamie and one of her friends to see Star Trek in the darkness right down here in Rotland. And we sat in the theater and we watched it. And my daughter and her friend really enjoyed the movie. And I think that's what Ken's talking about. For all the flack that these movies take, it does bring new people in. And after the movie was over, I had a little little uh, Star Trek convention going on in a lobby with all these 20-something kids who had never seen The Wrath of Khan and had no idea who Ricardo Montalban was or that there even was another Star Trek movie. And oh, wow. so Star Trek does transcend the generations. And every time they make a new Star Trek movie, every time they make a new Star Trek show then you have young people like my daughter getting interested in something that my daughter always thought was cheesy. Star Trek is cheap and cheesy, and she really had no interest in it, but she loves the new Star Trek movie, so there's a new generation of Star Trek fans that was born from that. And if Leonard Nimoy hadn't created the Spock character in the first place, then my daughter wouldn't be watching Zachary Quinto reprising Spock in these new movies. So it, the cycle continues. So 
just wanted to throw that out there. I think that's awesome. It is. It's, again. It is very good that it's very multi generational. It's it's uh, excellent. You know, a statement of the uh, of the uh, validity of the show. It's it's very sad. I I was I was saddened by Nimoy's death, but I was. I, this is probably going to sound selfish, but. Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner were slated to reprise their roles as Kirk and Spock Prime um, in the next movie to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. And they they had a scene where the two of them were going to meet the new Kirk and Spock in a time travel type deal, and we were going to get to see Nimoy and Shatner play Kirk and Spock together on screen for the first time since 1991 and I was really looking forward to that and we had a lot of discussions on this show about it and some fans liked it and some fans didn't but I I was waiting for that patiently because I thought the opportunity to see these two iconic characters Kirk and Spock played by Nimoy and Shatner on the screen even, even for five minutes as their characters for the 50th anniversary of the show that they created would have been something special. And it it sounds selfish, but with the passing of Nimoy, we won't get to see that now. And that, that really, really makes me sad. And again, this also brings up another point in that, okay, he's passed. Now, you know, as well as I do, the technology exists. Please don't still put him in the movie somehow. Well, you know, they did put Arnold Schwarzenegger in a Terminator movie and CGI his face onto a, another person's body. But you're right. I don't. I don't want to see them do that. Um, I would like to see them acknowledge. I would like to see them dedicate the Star Trek movie to. Oh, I'm sure they will. You know, to Leonard Nimoy. I'd like to see them get the Spock character somehow mentioned or somehow in the movie um, as a way to pay respects to the man and, and to the fans as well. Wait, I, I, I don't... Okay, I think that there should be some sort of a tribute, yes. But I think it should be done in an incredibly respectful manner and... Uh, I, I think it should be treaded very lightly so that it doesn't uh, cause too much of a stir. Well, you don't want to overshadow the, the new movie either. You know, you, you want to, you know, yeah, you don't want to not mention it, but then again, you, you want to mention it in such a way that you're not being trashy or cheesy about it and you're not, uh, like I said, being disrespectful. Yeah, it has to be handled very, very tastefully if they're going to do it. And now that now that Nimoy has passed, I I hope that they don't have Shatner in the movie alone without Nimoy because the whole thing about it was to see the two of them together and to see one of them without the other. Uh, for me, it just wouldn't work. I, I need to see them both. Right. 
if, if they're well, going to do it at all. It has go. All right. Well, thank you for calling, Larry. Looking great in those pictures, by the way. Yeah. Thank you very much. Hard work. You are the man. May you live long and prosper. All right. Thank you. Bye. Good night. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Hey, if anyone's listening and want to give us a call, the number here is 646-668-2433. We'll be on with you guys until 1030. So if you're listening in another time zone, don't hesitate to give us a call. We still have a lot to talk about. I've got a lot of quotes, a lot of tweets to read from various actors, and I have some clips to play. In fact, I think I'll play a clip right now. Um, Leonard Nimoy did a Bilbo Baggins song, and I'm going to play a little bit of that song um, just to lighten up the tone a little bit here. So uh, sit back and enjoy a little bit of Leonard Nimoy singing Bilbo Baggins. Leonard Nimoy has done a lot more than Spock, and um, 
I also I have some tweets here that I want to read for you guys. Um, J.J. Abrams said, Dearest Leonard, what a man you were, what a life you lived. As funny, generous, and loving as you were talented, you taught us all at every encounter. We will miss you and love you forever. Kim Cattrall said, Oh, oh, such another sleep that I might see, but such another man, my mentor, champion, and friend. Um, so a lot of stars have sent their their tweets, and I have a lot more to mention, but I don't know if I'll get to all of them. Um, so, yeah, anyways, I do have another clip that I wanted to play for you guys. Um, Leonard Nimoy was known for saying the word fascinating as Mr. Spock. And DeForest Kelly always said he's dead, Jim. And I've played the clip, He's Dead Jim, on the show before. But I've never played the Leonard Nimoy's clip of Fascinating. So here's a clip of every single time Mr. Spock said the word Fascinating on Star Trek. So uh, try to count them up and let me know how many times he says it. Sit back and enjoy. Fascinating is a word I use for the unexpected. Fascinating. 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 Fascinating, Captain. Fascinating. 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 A most fascinating thing happened. Fascinating. Fascinating. But it would be a fascinating project. Fascinating. 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 But quite impossible. Fascinating. Fascinating. Fascinating material. Fascinating. 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 You are a disembodied brain. Fascinating. Fascinating. A fascinating cultural development. Fascinating. 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 Please, Spock, do me a favor. And don't say it's fascinating. No. But it is interesting. <laughs> Makes me laugh every time I hear it. The banter between Spock and McCoy was always something special on Star Trek, and I thought that clip was great. How many times did he say fascinating, Ken? I counted around 50. 50. And I, I know that DeForest Kelly did not say he's dead, Jim, 50 times either. And that's a little fact that a lot of people don't realize that Spock said fascinating quite frequently. I, I wanted to share a little story about Star Trek with you guys. Uh, once again, the number here is 646-668-2433. That's 646-668-2433. If you'd like to call in and tell us a story about how Star Trek has impacted your life or, or the character of Mr. Spock or share some of your thoughts about Leonard Nimoy, please give us a call, 646-668-2433. Um, back when I was a kid, when I was growing up, Ken, um, I lived in upstate New York, you know, outside of Albany, kind of like where you live, and my grandparents lived 
Now, back in the 70s, we only had three TV stations, ABC, CBS, NBC, and WMHT, so we had four. And that was it. There was no cable. There was no Internet. There were no cell phones. There was none of this. And, you know, and your TV had antennas on the top, and you put tinfoil around it, and, you know, you had to stick your arm out the window and your leg up in the air and all this stuff to try to get channels. It was crazy. But anyways, during the summertime, my parents would go down, well, me and my brother and my mother, because my father worked at GE, uh, we would go down and spend the summer in Brooklyn. And being from upstate New York, going down to Brooklyn was always, you know, an eye-opener, like, wow, this is the real world. Well, one of the things that I was introduced to is I would get up at, like, midnight or so just to look out the window and, and see all the excitement. And one night I went down and I turned on the television. And the show came on called Chiller Theater. And there was this hand that came out with six fingers and it said Chiller Theater. Oh, and this hand grabbed the letters and pulled them down into the blood. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, during the summertime, they would play Star Trek on Chiller Theater. And one of the first episodes that I ever saw that I remember watching on Chiller Theater was the episode Spectre of the Gun, which a lot of people don't like, but I have fond memories of watching it. I'd be sitting in my grandparents' living room in the dark at night, no one else around, no other lights are on, just me and the TV. And I remember Mr. Spock, I remember them all dressed up as cowboys and the half-city and all that stuff, the Malkotians, and Mr. Spock mind-melding everybody into believing that the bullets weren't real. And when they had to shoot out, all the bullets went through them and whatnot, and that was my introduction to Star Trek, and every night at midnight I would sneak downstairs and sit there alone in the dark and watch Star Trek. And that's what got me introduced to Star Trek, because we didn't have that, you know, up in the north. Not not back then. We got it later. But back then, the only time I could watch Star Trek is when I went down to my grandparents in Brooklyn, and I would watch it on WPIX Channel 11, which by the way, had the uh, the World Trade Centers as their symbol. The 11 was made by the two World Trade Centers. Um, so that was my introduction to Star Trek, and that was the first time I saw Mr. Spock, and I was sucked in and hooked right from that, that point on. How about you, Ken? When, when's the first time you saw Star Trek? Well, like I said, I, I was around for the original series in you know when it first premiered in 1966, uh, but like I said, the one memory I had, again, of course, in Long Island, we were progressive. We had aerials. Uh, we didn't. We had television antennas on top of the roof of the house. We didn't need to have to borrow, bother with the portable ones, although we did have one or two television sets, the portable ones that did we did have to do that for. But my memory was somehow, somehow, uh, my uncle, uncle Eric, or my my, you know. Uh, lived in the same in the same hamlet in North Babylon, except he lived on the other side of I think Sunrise Highway. Uh, but my, I have one memory. Somehow, I don't know how I managed to do this, but Uncle Eric had the color television set. We didn't, we never had a color television set when I was growing up. Somehow, I managed to convince them to turn on the television set for Star Trek so I could watch it in color for the first time. And again. You know, it blew me away for two reasons. One, because, again, if you know anything about how color started in television, uh, first of all, there were very, very few 
TV shows at that point in time that were in color. And so that sort of blew me away seeing that. And uh, also, like I said, the mere fact that I somehow managed to convince my Uncle Eric to let me watch it. Well, everybody was over at the house. It's like, okay. Yeah, because now that you're right, absolutely. Now that I remember, you're right, because one of the big things in Star Trek, right before it started, the peacock would unfold and it would say, now in living color. Right at the beginning of the episode. I, and I don't remember. I honestly, I, I don't part remember. Part of loses translation when you're watching in black and white, but that's okay. Uh, you know. Well, I don't. I honestly don't remember if my grandparents' TV in Brooklyn, New York, was color or black and white. I don't remember that. I just remember watching it. I don't remember if it was in color or not. But it is what it is. Hey, I um, I have a couple of more tweets that I wanted to read to you guys. Nathan Fillion, and uh, who do we know him? Who, who is Nathan Fillion? And he's the captain of Firefly. He's the captain of the Firefly. Nathan Fillion wrote... Firefly, yes. Uh, I have been and always shall be your fan. Thank you. That's what Nathan Fillion uh, had to say. And uh, Sir Patrick Stewart said, It is with sadness that I heard of his death. I was lucky to spend many happy, inspiring hours with him. He won't be forgotten. Uh, George Takei said... Today the world lost a great man, and I lost a great friend. We return you now to the stars. You taught us to live long and prosper, and you indeed did, friend. I shall miss you in so many ways. And I have one more to read, and that's William Shatner. And and I have a little story to talk about William Shatner here after I read this. William Shatner tweeted, I loved him like a brother. We will all miss his humor, his talent, and his capacity to love. That's what William Shatner had to say. Now, William Shatner will not be attending Leonard Nimoy's funeral because he is doing a charity event in Florida. And this is a big issue around the the Internet because why wouldn't you cancel a charity event to go to the funeral of somebody like Leonard Nimoy? And um, I happen to agree with that. I mean, I, you know... I don't believe that there's anything you can't get out of to go to a funeral, especially if it's a charity event. You're not you're not getting paid for it. Just tell the Red Cross or whoever it is, you know, I'll be back in three couple of days. I got to go to a funeral. Who's going to tell you you can't? You know, but we're not here to talk about that. I just just think that he should probably try to get there. So, anyways, enough of that. So, I was talking earlier about NASA and how many astronauts were, you know, watching Star Trek and decided to become astronauts because of Star Trek. Michelle Nichols works for NASA. She travels around talking about the space program to schools and whatnot. Um, So, I have a message that the astronauts sent to to, uh, Leonard Nimoy's family, and I'm going to play that for you right now. Hello, I'm NASA astronaut Mike Fink. And I'm European Space Agency astronaut Luca Parmitano. We were very saddened to hear of the passing of the actor Leonard Nimoy. Leonard's character, Mr. Spock, inspired generations of NASA scientists and engineers. 
as well as engineers, scientists, and Star Trek fans across the planet. And as we at NASA, along with our international partners, explore the moon, Mars, and beyond, we'll take the spirit of and energy that Leonard brought to his character, Mr. Spock, along with us. Live long and prosper. The message of Star Trek is one of cooperation and integration. Mr. Spock, uh, a Vulcanian from a different planet, was fully integrated in his crew of humans and non-humans. We at the European Space Agency believe in that message and working with our international partners, we will take that message with us as we go beyond to explore space for humanity and for our planet. I think, Ken, that that is probably one of the greatest um, legacies that anybody could ask for. This particular message is international. It's from astronauts, and they actually mention what we were talking about earlier with Nancy in the show, how how Star Trek, you know, doesn't care about gender, doesn't care about race, doesn't even care about language. There's no barrier for the message of Star Trek. And, and again, if anything, and back, you know, backfilling on on what you mentioned. I mean, one of the reasons that made this whole concept, I mean, again, although perhaps we are putting too much into it, but uh, one of the reasons, one of the things that made the the ISS possible, uh, and still makes it possible, even though there are quote unquote difficulties, is, is the fact that you know Star Trek was so heavily into the you know the the cooperation among quote unquote nations. Um, concept. Yeah, I think that the Starship Enterprise represented the planet Earth as the Starship Earth. We, you know, we had a, we had Asians and um, you know, and Mr. Sulu. We had a Russian and Mr. Chekhov, and we had Uhura, and we had Spock, the alien, and we had the Scotsman. We had the Country Doctor. We had pretty much the whole planet and beyond represented by Mr. Spock. And here's some astronauts on the International Space Station talking about the influence of Star Trek. I mean, what more could you ask for? And again, I mean, just again, just to just to backfill as well. Uh, one of my favorite me- memories of the Schenectady Air Show uh, when they used to have the flight air shows over at Schenectady County Airport was me dressed in a Starfleet uniform talking to Canadian Air Force pilots and them handling it in in an incredibly respectful way and actually admitting the fact that yes, you know, they were were fans as well. These are, again, these are actual military pilots that I'm talking to. These are people that are really in the military. Well, oddly enough, Ken, speaking of the Schenectady Air Show, I I have a story similar to that. I, being a Klingon fan, was dressed up as a Klingon, and if you remember, Karen was dressed up as uh, an Andorian at that particular air show. We came in the back gate and went to our table, and we're sitting there. And after the show was over, the Blue Angels taxi down the runway, and they parked maybe, I don't know, 100 yards or so off the tarmac. And you 
can take pictures of them, but they're pretty far away. Karen and I are standing there again. I'm a Klingon and she's an Andorian, and we're taking pictures of the Blue Angels. And one of these officers comes up to us, and I, I thought we were getting in trouble or something. And he says to me, he says, you're a Klingon, right? And I said, well, no, I'm just dressed as a Klingon. <laughs> uh, why? And I, he says, Captain Hiller, whatever, uh, uh, would like to get a picture with you by his plane. And I was like, wow, that's cool. So they escort Karen and I out to the plane, right, out to one of the Blue Angels. And the pilot comes out, and he shakes my hand and takes a picture of him and I standing by the wing of the plane. And he tells me that Star Trek influenced him and, and guided him into joining the Navy and becoming a stump pilot. And we spent a couple of minutes talking and looking at the plane, and I shook his hand and we left. And as you said, this is a real, actual military person. I mean, you don't get much more trained than flying the Blue Angels stunt planes, and he's a Star Trek fan. They're everywhere. Well, again, it was, you know, again, and that, that again, there, there have been a lot of uh, examples of that in, in different genres. Like, for example, uh, there's a book called The Physics of Star Trek, um, which, if you've ever read it, although the person who's an actual scientist uh, basically points out the reasons why the technology in Star Trek isn't possible, uh, he does so in an incredibly respectful way and, and, and doesn't, isn't, isn't doing it to make fun of it. He's just trying to say, well, okay, well, guys, this is why this doesn't work or can't work, and, and is, but is respectful about it. He's not making fun of it. He's just saying in, in a somewhat cold uh, way or so, uh, this is what reality is. But I think that Star Trek, the message behind Star Trek always transcended the technology or the ships or the makeup, the yeah, cool Klingons or whatnot. The message on the show as well, uh, the, the, the gradual shift uh, between the two concepts, you know, story-driven versus effects-driven. And if any, you know, that's the thing. In the that's actually what made the original series such an example that it was. You had stories. You had stories on television, which again, if you think back to some of the other television shows that were around in that particular time frame, you understand that that having stories on television that was meaningful was not really the norm of the day. Television was entertainment. You weren't supposed to learn anything. No, and I think that I think that the the actors on the original Star Trek brought so much um so much love and attention to the characters that they played that they just resonate even into today. And I think that Mr. Spock is just a perfect example of that. You know, so many of us can look at Mr. Spock and at some point in time can say, I, I felt like that. I know what he's going through. 
and I think that the the humanity, the battle, the constant battle that Spock was under between denying his humanity and accepting his alien heritage, as the show went on, the writers really expressed that. And I think the death of Spock, as this is kind of funny, I guess, I thought when they killed Spock in Star Trek II, I was like, damn, they just killed the character when he's starting to get good. Because in Star Trek, the motion picture, he was very stolid and very, you know, like a robot. And then when Star Trek II came along, he was like a dude that you'd want to hang out with. He was like, you know, he let Savick fly the ship out and whatnot, and he was like, McCoy's like, you need a sedative to Kirk, and Kirk's like, no. And it was like, wow, Spock has finally gotten mellow, and he's come to terms with everything. And then what they do? They went and killed him. And I was like, wow, they finally humanized this character and made him a likable dude. And what do they do? They turn around and kill him. But that was great because we didn't get to li- we didn't get to see Spock come to grips with his humanity because the show was canceled after three seasons. We never got to see five seasons. And then the motion picture came along, and we missed that whole you know, five, ten year, whatever span it was, we never got to see it. So actually the best thing that ever happened to the character was killing him. Because once they killed Spock and brought him back in Star Trek Three, we, as an audience, got to grow with that character through the rest of the movies to get to where he ended up in Star Trek Six, Which I think was more of where he was when he died in Star Trek Two. So, anyways... I do have another clip that I want to play for you guys. Um, this is a clip from Star Trek, um, Star Trek, <laughs> 2009, where Leonard Nimoy reprises his role as Mr. Spock and comes back and has a meeting with Zachary Quinto's Mr. Spock. This was not would not be the last time that we saw Leonard Nimoy reprise his role as Spock because he did have a brief appearance in Star Trek Into Darkness, but it was only a few lines on a view screen. This particular scene that I'm about to play, as far as I'm concerned, is actually the last time that we would ever see Leonard Nimoy portray Spock as a character on screen, because Into Darkness, he was never on the screen. He was he was on a view screen. He wasn't actually there with the characters. This particular scene that I'm about to play was the final scene in Star Trek 2009 that actually had Leonard Nimoy as Mr. Spock. This would be the last time we would see that, and I thought it would be relevant to play for you guys. So, enjoy. Father. I am not our father. There are so few Vulcans left, we cannot afford to ignore each other. Then why did you send Kirk aboard when you alone could have explained the truth? Because you needed each other. I could not deprive you of the revelation of all that you could accomplish together, of a friendship that will define you both in ways you cannot yet realize. How did you persuade him to keep your secret? He inferred that universe-ending paradoxes would ensue should he break his promise. You lied. Oh, 
I... I implied... A gamble? An act of faith. One I hope that you'll repeat in the future as Starfleet. In the face of extinction, it is only logical I resign my Starfleet commission and help rebuild our race. And yet you can be in two places at once. I urge you to remain in Starfleet. I have already located a suitable planet on which to establish a Vulcan colony. Spock, in this case, do yourself a favor. Put aside logic. Do what feels right. Since my customary farewell would appear oddly self-serving, I shall simply say, good luck. his role as Mr. Spock on the silver screen. I know a lot of people don't like those movies, but I had to play that because that was it. That would be the last time we would see this character on the screen. Uh, so I, I do have a couple other clips that I want to play before we run out of time. But, Ken, did you have anything you wanted to add? No, I get it. it, it uh I mean, the character was timeless. There's no denying. Uh, the, the you know, again, the the fact that Nimoy wrestled with the demons behind the character only means, if you'll pardon the expression, that he was really truly human. Uh, we we all wrestle with that sort of thing, and it's it's nice to know that uh, in the end. Uh, he did wind up embracing the character as, as we all did, and as you know, most actors do. Yes, yeah, very well, very well put. Um, I have an, another clip here, um, George Takei, um, talking about Leonard Nimoy. Leonard was also a very dear friend. Uh, one extraordinary thing about him, I remember, when Star Trek was uh, going to uh, be done as an animated uh, uh, series, uh, they cast Leonard, Bill Shatner, Major Oliver Barrett, and Jimmy Dewitt uh, only for the voice acting on that. Uh, and when he discovered that uh, Michelle Nichols and uh, Walter Koenig and I were not cast because of uh, budgetary considerations. He said, Star Trek is about diversity. And if the two people that represent diversity the most, uh, Nichelle and George, then I'm not interested in doing it. He said, I'm, I will not do it without uh, the point of Star Trek, which was diversity. That was an extraordinary thing for an actor to, to uh, give up a gig. On, uh, for other, uh, on behalf of other actors, and because of because Leonard was so necessary for the uh, project, uh, they cast uh, Michelle and me, and offered Walter uh, an opportunity to write a, write a script. He was really an amazing man and a lovable man, a very thoughtful man. He was very supportive uh, of my career personally uh, when. Uh, Leonard did uh, Equus on Broadway, and when I did uh, 
the same role, Equus, in Los Angeles in a smaller theater. He was there to uh, support me and came backstage. And when I said, well, how'd I do, Leonard, knowing that he was uh, the man who did it on Broadway, he said, smilingly and obviously jokingly, but he said, you were better. And, of course, that's the legendary uh, Mr. Sulu talk. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is a legendary George Takai talking about Leonard Nimoy. Um, so, I, you know, can I, I just got to say one more time that I'm, I was really, really moved and really touched. I, I was surprised at how upset I really was, how I felt when I heard about Leonard Nimoy's passing, more so than I ever have felt about anybody. Um, the number here is 646-668-2433. That's 646-668-2433. If you'd like to call and share a story or chat with us, please do. Uh, we don't bite. And we'll be here for another 24 minutes anyways. So, yeah, Ken, do you remember? Our, our, two, our two guests who are in the chat room, if you're also listening to the show as well, again, we, we'd certainly like to hear from you on the phone, uh, and you can express uh, your feelings with respect to the topic, um, or or offer chats in the in the chat room. Uh, you know, the last couple posts were, were basically me and Nancy just sort of uh, exchanging a back and forth. But certainly, if you have a question, uh, pose it in the chat room, and or, or an observation. Uh, you know, we will certainly endeavor to bring it to the air. Absolutely. Um, now, seeing as to how we're 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 down to we're we're running down out of time, there's so many things I wanted to talk about. As we mentioned earlier, Leonard Nimoy also did In Search of a uh, groundbreaking show where uh, they went out in search of Bigfoot and uh, the Loch Ness monster, aliens, uh, Easter Island, all kinds of different things it was a half an hour show so after commercials it probably ran about 20 minutes or so 22 minutes or so after commercials i believe you can get that on dvd now probably so if you'd like to check out leonard nimoy after star trek um you know by all means check out in search of um, he also did a lot of guest spots on a lot of different shows. He did a lot of, um, he was on Family Guy. He was on American Dad. He did a lot of, of guest spots and, and voiceovers. One of the best voiceover uh, spots he did, I think, was on the Big Bang Theory last year. And I have that clip that I'm going to play for you guys here, um, where Sheldon, who, who's big hero, of course, is Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock. He goes out and he buys a transporter, and he opens it and breaks it, and he switches it with with another one, and he has a conversation with his Spock doll, which is sitting on his desk, and I'm going to play that for you guys right now, so sit back and enjoy. Dr. Cooper. <laughs> Dr. Cooper. Is someone there? Down here, on your desk. Spock? I need to speak with you. Fascinating. 
The only logical explanation is that this is a dream. It is not the only logical explanation. For example, you could be hallucinating after being hit on the head by, say, a coconut. Was I hit on the head by a coconut? I'm not going to dignify that with a response. Now, to the matter at hand, you need to play with the transporter's toy. But it's mint in box. Yes, and to open it would destroy its value. But remember, like me, you also have a human half. Well, I'm not going to dignify that with a response. Consider this. What is the purpose of a toy? To be played with. Therefore, to not play with it would be... Illogical. Oh, damn it, Spock, you're right. I'll do it. Sheldon, wait. You have to wake up first. Oh, of course. Set phasers to dumb, right? <laughs> oh, dear. Two suns and no sunscreen. Hello again, Sheldon. What is it now, Tiny Spock? I am very disappointed in you. You broke your toy and switched it with Leonard's. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're the one who told me to play with it. If I told you to jump off the bridge of the Enterprise, would you do it? Uh, if I got on the bridge of the Enterprise, I would never, ever leave. Trust me, it gets old after a while. You must right your wrong, Sheldon. Why? I got away with it. Leonard has his toy, and he's never going to open it, so he won't know it's broken. And I have a toy that isn't broken. Everybody's happy. Well, I am unhappy. I thought where you come from, they don't have emotions. <laughs> I come from a factory in Taiwan. <laughs> now, do the right thing. You know what you are? Well, you're a green-blooded buzzkill. <laughs> Perhaps it's time you beam on out of here. Fine. I will just use the transporter. Oh, right. You broke it. So Leonard Nimoy actually could be funny as Mr. Spock. That, that was a great episode. He was also referenced on the Big Bang Theory a couple of other times. Besides that, one of my favorite moments is when Penny comes back from the Cheesecake Factory and this is at Christmas time, and and Sheldon can't decide what to get Penny for Christmas. So he goes and buys a bunch of of uh, baskets with for various prices, and gives her one. And she goes over to her apartment and comes back with a napkin that Leonard Nimoy wiped his face with, and autographed to Sheldon. And to him, this is priceless. And he runs back in the back room and brings out basket after basket after basket and piles them all up around Penny and tells Penny that when he gets a chance he'll get her more because that particular gift was absolutely you couldn't put a price on that gift for Sheldon and that just that brought a tear to my eye because so many people feel that way about Star Trek sometimes it's not the size of the gift it's the thought that counts and that episode really touched on that now um so Leonard Nimoy was also more recently on Fringe. He played Dr. William Bell on the J.J. Abrams show Fringe. 
uh, went off, what, Ken, maybe three years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think the last, although I, I'm, I'm trying to think, I think the last episode may have been sooner than that, but yeah, it was it was a show that maybe was on for two or three seasons, and then, like all good TV shows, died. Uh, yeah, Leonard Nimoy uh, played William Bell, who was actually an alternate universe version of himself. Um, he was on... I don't know, half a dozen episodes. And he wanted to wipe out the world and recreate the world based on his own um, images of the future type of thing. He wasn't a good guy, let's put it that way. So if you want to see Leonard Nimoy, you can check out Fringe as well. And just on a side note, when I was talking about uh, going down to Brooklyn and watching WPIX, and all these really cool shows like Godzilla and Star Trek and whatnot. I remember seeing a show in black and white uh, called Them, and it was about giant spiders. I mean, not giant spiders, giant ants, giant army ants. And Leonard Nimoy was in that also. I don't know why that popped in my head, but it did. Uh, Leonard Nimoy was in this show about giant ants called Them. So you can... Look for that on the internet as well. What else can people find Leonard Nimoy in besides Star Trek and um, Invasion like said, of Body Snatchers? One of the things that Nancy mentioned was the infamous black and white era of Mission Impossible, where, where the beginning of the show, when everybody's clustered in the room, was in this rather stark black and white set that had every piece of furnishing in the room being either black or white. Wow. Hence hence the fact that black and white isn't just a clever description. Yes. You know, okay, you know again, uh, and that, of course, again, not to get too much off the topic, that, of course, again, was, was certainly one of the more groundbreaking shows of television we was on. And I'm sure, I'm sure, because I know William Shatner did two episodes of The Twilight Zone. I'm sure Leonard Nimoy had to be on one as well. I don't know that for yeah, a fact. That was, again, I, in some of the TV shows that were doing tributes on it, you know, that's also the other thing that I don't think people don't necessarily realize is that Leonard Nimoy was an actor before Star Trek. And although I can't necessarily pull right now from my brain what he was in prior to Star Trek, but again, you know, Star Trek was not just like with DeForest Kelly, uh, you know, and just like William Shatner, uh, Leonard Nimoy did several things before Star Trek. Yes, and I'm I'm trying to think of some of those things, but I, I nothing comes to mind. Like I said, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I, I love that movie. He, of course, he's in that. Um, I just played The Big Bang Theory, where he vo does a voiceover. Um, several animated shows he has been on. Um, Fringe, uh, I think, he was on I think, Fringe. Yes, he, he was on Futurama, I think, uh, where he played a disembodied head, along with the rest of the Star Trek characters. Oh, yes, and I think, I believe that President Nixon was one of those disembodied heads, too. 
Yes. So you, you can find Leonard Nimoy everywhere. Um, he may be gone, but he is definitely not forgotten. And actually, and Nancy brought up a fact and posted a link on in the chat room for a spiritually oriented book on photography that Leonard Nimoy produced on religion and ethics and spirituality. And if anybody wants to make any donations, Leonard Nimoy's family is asking not to send flowers, uh, but on our Facebook page, um, I have a link with all the different charities that the family would like you to make a donation to in the name of Leonard Nimoy. I believe there's like four or five of them there, right, Ken? Uh, I believe so. Yes. And like I said, and like, like I said, that 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 only continues the the theme that we've been talking about for the for the past hour and forty five minutes or so. It's part it's part of the family thing. Uh, flowers die, but if you can make a contribution that's going to help mankind or help with a particular circumstance. Uh, those kind of donations never get old and always, in general, are more satisfying uh, than just buying a couple of roses and sending them to somebody. So here's a question for you, Ken. I, 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 let's get philosophical and really deep here for a minute Ooh, or two. okay. Really deep, deep, deep undercover. Here's my question for you. We know that Star Trek is coming up on its 50th anniversary next year, uh, which is going to coincide with the release of Star Trek III, um, whatever it's called. And now that Leonard Nimoy did not make it to the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, do you think that, well, this is a two-part question, do you think that the impact of Leonard Nimoy will be felt in another 50 years? Do you think people will still be talking about Star Trek and and the impact that it had, or do you think that in another 50 years Star Trek will just fade away and be forgotten? Uh, it's I a deep question. It's deep, deep I, I, philosophical. I, I think that would all depend upon whether or not there's any conscious effort to keep the franchise going. Uh, again, perhaps a two-part answer. Um, if Paramount does nothing, then more than likely it will be remembered with the fondness of Pet Rocks and Pet Rock Cemeteries. Um, it, it will just be, perhaps some people will remember it, but it certainly will not have the long-lasting uh, iconic uh, viewpoint that it has now if nothing happens. Uh, if Paramount makes, as we pointed out with respect to the new Star Trek franchise, if Par Paramount continues to keep the franchise alive, then yes, we may, although I doubt sincerely if I will see it, uh, yes, at one point in time there may be the 100th anniversary of Star Trek. Now I might be I might be naive um, in saying this, um, you know.
know, I realize Star Trek is a TV show, and I know it's not real. I've said that before, and I'm going to preface my comment with saying that before I make my comment. So people listening, don't think that I'm one of these people that lives in a basement, needs to get a life, and doesn't know the difference between reality and make-believe, because trust me, I do. I work at a jail. I see reality every day, which is why I escape to Star Trek. Um, having said that, I think that Star Trek itself, as as we know it, may not be around in another 50 years, but I do think that the message behind Star Trek, I think the humanity, I think the the essence of what Star Trek says or has said to our generation and the generations before is a message that just won't go away. I think that yeah, the message between absolutely a united our, Earth... Yeah, go ahead. just sort of encapsulated your comment. I mean, will we, 50 years from now, uh, will we have something akin to the Federation? I think, again being somewhat deep and philosophical. I think we have no choice. Uh, I think if we don't want to kill ourselves, we're going, we are going to be, even if we're forced to, uh, we're going to have to learn to play in the playground. Nice. Uh, you know, we're going to have to remember all those wonderful things that you got taught in elementary or primary school, and we're going to have to learn to apply these concepts on a global level. Um, I, I think we're going to be forced to. Um, so yes, you know, we, will will there be a? In other words, will, there may not be a Star Trek television series, but will there be a Star Trek? Uh, I think so. Like I said, I, I don't think we have any choice. I think and that, I, you know, and again, not, I, not I to agree broaden, with you. You know, not to broaden, not to broaden the issue too terribly much, but I think eventually, mankind will under mankind will understand the need for a space program, even if it's even if it's done for the wrong reasons. And even if it's only to just save our butts, uh, you know, even if it's only to go somewhere so we can leave this place behind, uh, you know, there may not be a Star Trek TV show, but will there be a Star Trek? Yes. I, I think it's inevitable. And, you know, I, not to quote John Lennon, but I'm going to, back when I was running my Star Trek conventions, uh, back in 1991, actually, a general, we had a music video competition. And and at that time, the next generation, we only had T, the original Star Trek and the next generation. We were in season three, I think, maybe starting season four. And we had a music video competition. And the gentleman made this video that brought a tear to my eye. And what it was is it was clips from Star Trek, the next generation, set to the John Lennon song, Imagine. And if there mm -hmm. is a more perfect, did I ever show you that video, Ken? I, I remember seeing it, yes. If ever there was a more perfect embodiment between the message behind Star Trek and a song, it would be that one. And, and again, 
if and again, as I, as I pointed out, I mean, if I can shift to my other hat, being a deacon and so forth, uh, I'm perfectly resigned to the fact that we're going to straighten things out. Okay, it's going to be for the wrong reason, but we're going to straighten things out, and things are going to get better, even if it, you know, even if we have to be dragged screaming and kicking towards that inevitable construct. I think that in the Star Trek universe, it takes World War III before humanity snaps out of it. And I think that if anything can be learned from Star Trek, if Leonard Nimoy's portrayal of Spock and Gene Roddenberry's vision of Star Trek taught us anything, it's that until we as a the human race start thinking of ourselves as the human race and not as black and white, or Hispanic, or fat and thin, or gay, or straight, or any of these titles that we assign to each other, and start accepting people as human beings, and completely remove religion and politics from the equation, and start dealing with the topics and the issues as humans, and not as Republicans, not as Democrats, not as Christians, not as Jihad, or, or any of these other titles that we assign to various things, until that happens, we are doomed to continue in the footsteps that we're currently in. It will take an event of, it would take E.T. landing on the lawn of the White House to unite the human race. But I really do believe, and, and again, I do believe that we are capable of that. If anything has taught me from Star Trek is that we are capable and that that is a goal we can attain and I honestly believe that people are good deep down inside everybody the human race is not evil Dennis Dennis Leary made a post on Facebook and mentioned about the fact that we teach our children hate they don't they're not born with it. Uh, as a matter of fact, the quote that he mentioned on Facebook was, you want to know what my kid thinks is important? And he said, naps. That's what they think is important. You know, they're, they're, and and, and so, I, I agree. We have to so understand that, you know, we have to understand that, that we, we teach our, our children hate. They, they're they not born out of the box that way. We're, we're the ones that ruin it for them. And, we, again, we have to stop doing that. And, you know, Ken, per, myself personally, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, and maybe I'm, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm preaching a message that I myself am not following, but, I don't care if you're Jewish. I don't really care what religious faith you follow because it's your right to believe what you believe. When it interferes with other people's rights, that's when I have a problem. Oh, yeah, that, that actually that and, actually, seeks, that actually seeks to a comment. <laughs> Allegedly, the Westboro Baptist Church is going to picket Leonard Nimoy's funeral. Yeah, they're all going to burn in hell, those people. But, when but I, heard, I heard that, I just said, guys, 
it's like let it drop, let it go. Uh, you know, you're you're not doing anybody any favors, and you're certainly not making any friends. And, and it's just just don't go there. But and I again, do I, think I sincerely I sincerely hope they take the message to heart and don't do anything. I because think that we have a long way to go before oh, we yeah. get to Roddenberry's vision, but I honestly believe that we will. I think the day will come when that will be true. It's, it doesn't seem like it yeah, now. It, as I pointed out, it, it will become inevitable because if it doesn't, we won't be, or if it doesn't, I mean, simply... Matter of factly, if it doesn't come true, then we won't be around, and it won't matter. Exactly, it won't matter. It won't matter. But I think it be, does. We will have killed each other. I I firmly believe that it will, and I think the fact that Star Trek has endured for fifty, I'm sorry, forty nine years, and the fact that so many people. Uh, has been touched and moved by the death of an actor who played a character on some failed TV show 49 years ago is just points to the fact that that's true, that a lot of people feel that way, or they wouldn't watch Star Trek. They wouldn't understand the message behind it. They wouldn't care about it. And the fact that so many people do, I think, is a positive thing. I think it just means that we do have an opportunity, we do have a chance, there is a glimmer of hope that, yes, we can attain those goals. Yes, we can get there. No, it won't be easy. But we can. And we will. And again, you know, uh, putting on my other hat for just a moment. Okay, a lot of people would, but I'm just myself. I'm just by myself, you know. Jim, Jim's just a a a, a repair wonk in a, in a prison in in Vermont. I'm just a, for all intents and purposes, right now, a glorified mailman in in New York State for the health department. Uh, you know, but again, what can we do? What can anybody do? Uh, One person, two people, can do extraordinary things. They just have to decide to do them. They just have to decide that I, I will not let this happen. I will stop it, and they will, and that will happen. And if everybody thinks that way, then what you're going to do is you're you're going to have a whole bunch of people as individuals eventually making the decision to act outside of their box. And yes, it's possible, but we have to understand that each one of us as an individual are just as important as the collective whole, and things affect us personally that affect the world as an entity. Very well put. Hey, you, you know, I like, like you, you what, rehearsed what, what, that, didn't you? I say I didn't go to Deacon School for six years for nothing. 
so um, we're, we're down to eight minutes, Ken, and I, I, I want there's one more clip that I definitely want to play before we wrap this up, and that is okay. Spock's funeral. Um, Spock's funeral. Which actually from, is apropos. We're at the end of the show, so yes. Yes, this is Spock's funeral from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I'm going to play that for you guys, and then we're going to come back for our final words. We are assembled here today to pay final respects to our honored dead. And yet it should be noted that in the midst of our sorrow, this death takes place in the shadow of new life, the sunrise of a new world, a world that our beloved comrade gave his life to protect and nourish. He did not feel this sacrifice of vain or empty one, and we will not debate his profound wisdom of these proceedings. Of my friend, I can only say this. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Others. Because 
after we sat through the death of Spock and we're experiencing the death of Leonard Nimoy for real today, which is why I wanted to end the show with that clip. Um, when we're sitting in the theater in shock and, and, and Spock is dead and they fire him out of the torpedo, while they're playing Amazing Grace and, and it goes from the bagpipes to the orchestration and they zoom in on the Genesis planet, the next thing we hear is Leonard Nimoy reading for the first time in Star Trek history to that point, somebody other than William Shatner, Captain Kirk, say the epilogue of space, the final frontier. And that was kind of his way of saying, I, I will be back. I am not dead. And if there's one thing we can take away from this evening, it's that. That Leonard Nimoy may be gone, but as long as we remember him, he's not. He will live on as long as we can remember him. And I think that's how I want to end the show. So I'd like to say thank you to Nancy and thank you to Larry and thank you to Ken for spending this time with us. And I'd like to say thank you to Gene Roddenberry for creating these incredible characters and this universe for us to play in. And most of all, I'd like to say rest in peace to Leonard Nimoy and thank you for creating this character that we've all grown with, that we can all identify with, that we all love, and you definitely will be missed, and you will live on in our thoughts forever. Thank you very much, everybody, and good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.